0: On a February day in 2012, a Delta Air Cargo flight landed in the U.S. from Tel Aviv, Israel, and a customs agent pried open a suspicious-looking cooler. Inside was an ordinary trash bag. Something was wrapped up, and it was sloshing around in a puddle of red fluid. Customs workers peeled back the plastic bag. Staring back was a human head. How'd it get there? That's the story of the mostly legal business of Arthur Rathburn, a 65-year-old body broker. And this is Michigan Crime Stories. Michigan Crime Stories is a podcast that explores murder, mysteries, and mayhem in the Mitten State.
1: Criminal behavior has always enthralled us. It's when societies determine what is and isn't allowed.
0: We assume heinous crimes are committed by monsters, individuals we dehumanize in an effort to make sense of their deeds.
1: Their victims sometimes seem distant, just faded names in a passing headline.
0: But the terrifying truth is that crimes are committed by ordinary people, just like you and me.
1: And many of those crimes happen right in our own backyard.
0: My name is Gus Burns.
1: My name is Darcy Moran.
0: We're reporters for MLive.com and your hosts for Michigan Crime Stories.
1: This episode, as told by Gus Burns, is titled Bloody Business.
0: Arthur Rathburn was raised on a Michigan farm. He was born into, quote, at best average circumstances, no silver spoon or anything of that nature his attorney would later say. He attended the University of Miami and later studied mortuary science at Western Michigan University in Kalamazoo. Morticians usually specialize in things like embalming, preparing dead bodies for burial or cremation, but they also ready donated bodies for use in science. Those who facilitate the delivery of body parts or cadavers for profit to customers for use in training, education, or testing are dubbed body brokers. Rathburn got his start legally, in the late 1980s in Ann Arbor, helping manage the body donation program for the University of Michigan Medical School. This is about the time Rathburn first began moonlighting as a body broker, according to journalist Ann Cheney's 2006 book, Body Brokers, Inside America's Trade in Human Remains. The program assured donors unused remains would be cremated and returned to their loved ones, but that's not what Rathburn always did, according to Cheney's book. Instead, Rathburn was burning more than one body at a time. It was more efficient. The university fired Rathburn in 1990, but the reason isn't entirely clear. A restraining order still in place forbids the university from sharing the details. Around that time, Rathburn met his wife-to-be, Elizabeth Rathburn. She moved to Michigan in 1993 and the couple married in 1995, about the same time Arthur Rathburn started his body broker company, International Biological Inc., Federal investigators would later describe it as a ragtag, ever-changing group of employees, but it grossed nearly $13.1 million over its lifetime. While the more genteel aspects of the business were handled by Elizabeth Rathburn, often from the comfort of an office above the living quarters in the couple's upscale, suburban Detroit home, the slicing, dicing, and dismemberment took place in a nondescript brick building located on Grinnell Street in Detroit's blighted east side. Things seemed to be going well for the Rathburns' business throughout the first half of the 2000s, but the company lost nearly a half million dollars combined between 2007 and 2008. Arthur Rathburn filed for bankruptcy in 2009, financial records show. The bankruptcy was still looming in 2012 when a whole new set of problems arose thanks to that shipment of severed heads that custom agents uncovered. There were eight, and the FBI wanted to know who those heads were once attached to. It turned out... One of the heads belonged to a person who died of bacterial sepsis and pneumonia, but it's illegal to transport infected remains without following shipping laws for hazardous cargo. According to the FBI, Rathburn hadn't followed those rules. This led to the raid of the Rathburn's Detroit warehouse nearly two years later, in December of 2013. Here's trial testimony of an FBI agent, as read by M. Live's Tanya Magellas.
2: I observed blood on the floor in several rooms. Most of it appeared to be caked or dried. I saw piles of flies, dead flies on the ground. The heads did not have wrappings on them, so the flesh of one head was touching the flesh of the other heads, and they were all frozen together in a solid block. Some of the body parts were intermingled. Some of the freezers had heads and torsos. Some of the freezers have arms and legs. Some have internal organs, and some may just be in a big mixture of all of those things and many of them were all kind of frozen together in one big, solid chunk.
0: Later, it would be revealed that four fetuses were also in that warehouse, but the FBI was seemingly most concerned with what they found in the company's paperwork. Rathburn was purchasing discounted cadavers that belonged to donors who died of infectious disease, such as HIV or hepatitis, and renting them out to unwitting customers. In one instance, the FBI said Rathburn purchased a cadaver with a $5,000 price tag at a $3,500 discount from a body donation company because it was infected with HIV and hepatitis B. Multiple customers said they never would have accepted Rathburn's body parts had they known they were diseased. The Rathburns rented infected or untested body parts to customers for use in 142 training courses between 2000 and 2013. quick Google search reveals there are many for-profit companies competing for your corpse. The sales pitch usually focuses on the scientific legacy you'll leave behind or cost savings through free commission service. Rathburn purchased his cadavers from a company named Biological Resource Center of Illinois, which also had a warehouse in Arizona. Randolph Wright, who was dying of ALS, was sold on the idea. Here's his daughter, Tracy Smolka.
3: I think my father was looking at costs where there was no charge to him, no charge to my mom for him to do this. So he thought, okay, well, this is good. I'm doing something good. I can go and help maybe cure ALS. I can do something good with my life once I'm dead. And we didn't have any objections to it. In hindsight, the fact that there were no fees that had to be paid or that alarm bells should have been going off for us, we didn't hear them or we chose to ignore them. And that was a mistake on our part. When my father eventually passed in June 2010, we reached out to Biological Resources of Illinois. They came out, picked up his body, and they contacted me the following day for the information for his death certificate. Maybe about two weeks later, I got a phone call saying that his ashes were ready. When all the notifications went down and I was talking with the FBI, I found out that my father's head had been sitting in a freezer. Not something I relished hearing, not something I anticipated I would hear.
0: A single customer might pay up to $60,000 for the use of remains for training courses or demonstrations, according to records reviewed by the FBI
3: was told that there was an invoice showing his torso was sold for $2,900 to a medical instrument company. Rathburn bought his head, and while they couldn't find invoices, it looks like his knees were taken, which would have had a value of 350 apiece, and his shoulders, which had a value of 700 but they couldn't find invoices for the shoulders or knees. My gut says they were commodities. He didn't necessarily, He didn't really care. He was in it for the money.
0: In January of 2016, the U.S. Attorney's Office charged Arthur Rathburn and his wife, each with nine counts of wire fraud. Arthur Rathburn faced an additional count of illegally transporting hazardous material for that infected head from Israel, and three counts of lying to a federal agent. Amid a divorce, Elizabeth Rathburn quickly flipped, secured a plea deal, and agreed to testify against her husband. The jury ultimately found Arthur Rathburn guilty of seven counts of fraud, and one count of illegally transporting hazardous material. He was sentenced to nine years in prison. His wife got three years probation for a single count of fraud. While the trial hit on the gruesome aspects of Arthur Rathburn's body butchering and crude storage methods, it was really about the contractual fine print. His attorneys argued, at worst, this was a breach of contract, a matter for the civil court. The government argued, and the jury agreed, that Rathburn deceived customers, who assumed they were getting disease-free body parts. The judge at sentencing admitted it was difficult to gauge who the victims in the case really were. Everybody made money. Everybody learned, and nobody got sick, thank God, he said. But that's not so clear, according to this government court filing that said,
2: The passage of time, privacy laws, and poor record-keeping make it impossible to determine whether Rathburn's actions resulted in anyone becoming ill. But the risk was real.
0: Arthur Rathburn said to relatives of donors at his sentencing quote, I understand your thoughts. I understand how you thought that maybe this was a little barbaric. And if you haven't worked in it, I understand your point. This is necessary. It is very valid. And I do believe in the sovereignty of each person who donates. I really do. Thank you. End quote. He never apologized. Arthur Rathburn currently lives in a federal prison located in Milan, Michigan. He declined multiple requests to be interviewed and is appealing his conviction. The vast majority of what the Rathburns did, no matter how gruesome or unhygienic it may seem, is entirely legal. Body brokering is a largely unchecked industry and is likely more prolific than most people know. There are more laws regulating the sale and storage of sandwich meat than of severed human heads. Here's Tracy Smolka again
3: as much as donating a body for science and research is a commendable act i'd almost be hesitant to encourage anyone to do so if someone is wanting to do that i would almost say that you're better off donating to a specific school because then you have more of a greater opportunity of understanding and knowing you're going to be used for actual research or science you're going to be used by up-and-coming doctors at medical schools to learn their craft and trade. Donating to just a regular company like Biological Resources or Arthur Rathburn's company International Biologic, you're opening yourself up to trouble.
1: Okay, hi, this is Darcy Moran with Michigan Crime Stories, and I'm sitting here with Gus Burns, who told this story today. Hey, Gus. Hi, Darcy. Um, first of all, thank you so much for telling this. This was a really odd story all the way through, and I'm curious if you can tell us a little bit about how you first started learning about this story when it was breaking, because you reported on it initially, didn't you?
0: I. What I remember is it was broken probably by one of the TV news stations and The first reports were that the FBI were stationed outside of this warehouse that we didn't know who owned it or what it was being used for. And then as the days progressed, it started coming out that there was body parts in there. But I don't think we had any clue that it was, for the most part, a legal type of business. Really, when the indictment came out in early 2016, which is when it filled in a lot of the gaps about what this guy was doing in this warehouse and what the body parts were for,
1: and that was one of the most surprising parts to me, that this is a like mainly legal business.
0: Um, yeah, I mean, it's pretty astonishing, actually. I mean, when you think about uh, what's going on. I mean, on, on the face, it looks very strange when you open up a warehouse and you see heads frozen together and in clumps in a, in a shelving unit. And we don't really think about, when you donate your body to science, where it goes. And the truth is, it goes to some of the customers that Arthur Rathburn developed over his years of doing this. Um, I guess the two of them were mentioned during trial was an anesthesi- anesthesiologist who needed some body parts for a demonstration and a conference. Another one they focused on was for a dentist. So basically there were various different medical professionals who were using body parts to train or to make demonstrations.
1: And that those are uh, legal recipients of those body parts they weren't doing anything wrong getting it those are legal operations it was this kind of part in between of how he was uh, moving them and and using money and all that that was really the problem
0: right i mean the way it works is he's the broker he's the middleman so you people like tracy smolka's father they get solicited by these companies who say hey why don't you come give us your body we'll we'll pay for your cremation it'll save you money but the truth is you're giving them essentially a valuable commodity that then they turn around and in this case, they sold them to Rathburn who had the end customers. And then there's this whole line of profiteering along the way. Um, And really what the government said was this was not a crime that had anything to do with medicine. It had only something to do with the contract, which they say that Rathburn deceived his customers by telling them that he was screening his bodies and providing them disease-free bodies when in fact He was giving them bodies with hiv and hepatitis and other things
1: so that was a really wild part to me but also i want to pause on something that you said in the story there and ask you about the fetuses that were found in that warehouse
0: well that's a mystery that i would like to get to the bottom of myself and i tried pretty hard to do um prior to trial reuters wire service somehow got some leaked photos from the fbi that showed images of fetuses and what was strange was there was never any mention of a fetus used in any of the court filings by the federal government. They didn't put any photos into evidence that showed the fetuses. And they were showing all kinds of pictures of different gruesome things that they found, but they chose for some reason to not put the fetuses into evidence. After the trial had wound down and Arthur Rathburn had been sentenced, I was pursuing FOIA requests and everyone was denied by the FBI and U.S. Attorney's Office for various reasons. Um, At one of the post-conviction hearings, um, the judge did ask briefly, what about these fetuses? Because they were discussing what they were going to do with the remains. And then the defense attorney told the judge that, according to Rathburn, they came from the Museum of Natural History in New York. They came from a scientist. um, They gave a name. And then when I went to the museum, they denied having any connection, and they denied having any connection with the scientist, although when I looked him up, he was listed as a visiting scientist on the museum website. So that was the end of it. They wouldn't talk to me anymore and I haven't gotten any more information out of Rathburn or his attorney about it.
1: That's just wild though that it's kind of these like mystery fetuses in in some regard. I mean, is your thought that there's like some other investigation ongoing into that or I mean, is it just totally unknown?
0: I don't know that there's any further investigation going on in this case because they shut down both of rathburn's providers he used mainly this biological resources center of illinois but they also had a location in arizona in the two years following the raid of rathburn's warehouse they raided both of these locations and shut them both down and they charged one other person uh, in the state of arizona who owned the location down there and he ended up also turning on rathburn and turning state's witness witness and he ended up getting probation I haven't heard anything uh, anything else about any further prosecution, so I don't think anything is going further, going ahead with this. And I asked the FBI as recently as this week, and they said they don't comment on that.
1: And so the other thing that kind of stood out to me, too, was uh, what were the community responses to this? I mean, to people in Detroit um, finding this warehouse full of body parts, and then the family members. Obviously, we heard from Tracy Smoka, but um, I'm kind of curious if, if there's more to that aspect.
0: Obviously, there was the gross response from the general public just that this is happening that bodies are being cut up and there weren't a lot of victims that spoke at the sentencing hearing tracy was tracy smoke was probably one of the most outspoken she had pictured a different use of her father's body especially she didn't she feels like his body was disrespected and she didn't expect that to happen
1: and so finally, um, you know, we've covered a lot of uh, really odd, odd aspects to all of this. What, of any of this, was the most surprising to you?
0: Um, just the lack of laws surrounding um, the business. And it was just surprising to me that the main, the main law is only that you have to be a certified licensed mortician. Once you get a body donated to science and you have a mortician license, there's really not a lot of other laws. And that's what the federal government learned during the prosecution of this. So they didn't have much to go on other than the fact that he was deceiving customers.
1: Wow. Well, thank you very much for telling this story today. It was a really interesting one. Uh, I am Darcy Moran.
0: I am Gus Burns.
1: And this is Michigan Crime Stories.
0: I'd like to say thank you to Tracy Smolka for speaking to me for the story. And if you have a crime story you want to know more about, give me a shout at fburns at mlive.com. That's F-B-U-R-N-S at mlive.com. I'm Gus Burns, and this is Michigan Crime Stories.